Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Life and Art from FT Weekend. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. We're here today to talk about plants and gardening in the winter. You've probably noticed that it's only gotten trendier over the years to have plants in your home. I've definitely noticed that. But the Financial Times' gardening columnist, Robin Lane Fox, has always known that plants are cool. He's been writing this column for 53 years. Robin is also an esteemed professor of classical history at Oxford University. That means he lives in Oxford, so his specialty is the UK climate. But don't worry, we're going to talk about gardening all around the world, too. Robin, welcome to Life and Art. It is such a pleasure to have you. Uh, thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Um, so I have many questions for you, uh, some of which I've crowdsourced from our listeners and colleagues. But before we get into the advice, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your garden. Um, I'm sure you have a lovely garden outdoors. Do you also have plants indoors? I, I do. Yeah, I'm a great killer indoors. I have responsibility <laughs> uh, for two gardens. Uh, one of them I call the Kissing Fields, which is the great gardens in New College, Oxford. That's nine acres. Anyone mm. can come and see them uh, any day for a fee. And I think it would be agreed they are the finest college gardens at the moment in England. And at home, mm -hmm. I have two acres of very cold ground, which I feel puts me in touch with many unfavored readers. Um, as for mm -hmm. gardening indoors, uh, none of you has killed as many plants in the past 65 years indoors <laughs> as I have. That's you, a relief. <laughs> you, you will have killed the same percentage, but I actually admit it. Um, and I've learned which ones are the quickest to die. Okay, great. I'm curious first. What's your approach to winter gardening anytime? Like, do you feel like the winter is a time to take a break? Is it a time to, I mean, I imagine let the soil rest, but what is your sort of general philosophy? Um, I love the winter gardening in Britain now, but I time it and I have to rely on weather forecasts. Yeah. I do urge people, don't just say, I will do my garden next Thursday. Have a look and see, because Thursday may be such deluging rain, there's no point in trying to work outside in awful conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, choose a good day, lay that one aside, even if it's a bit later than the books say. And then winter gardening is one of the greatest pleasures. Uh, the world mm. is quiet. Um, you can begin to see the framework of your garden if it's quite big like mine. Um, there are a few birds trucking around, usually other people's pheasants on the run from being shot. Um, and you are able to think clearly without a rush. What is it I want to move? What are the effects I'm looking for? And the underlying structure shows so clearly. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about outdoors first then, Robin. I, you know, I know you wrote in your last column that your approach has changed this year because it's warmer in November. Ah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I will. I mean, winter gardening is the great gainer there are very few from global warming, and it's the great gainer in Britain. You mm -hmm. absolutely have to think now of all you can have in flower from early November to the end of January, uh, and it's quite amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so what would I tell you to do? 
I tell you to look carefully at the following things. The winter flowering cherry, Prunus subhertella autumnalis. That is the greatest of all flowering trees now in Britain. What a wonderful thing. Uh, it will flower often from November right through to the end of March. Brilliant. Okay, so as you begin to recommend your flowers, I'll just say I will put these plants in the show notes so that listeners can look them up afterwards. So first, it's the winter flowering cherry. Yeah, you go for the winter flowering cherry. Then you look in the family of viburnum shrubs, uh, white flag viburnums. Any of them is good. Viburnum bodnantensi. Dawn is pink. Uh, Deben is white. They are wonderful growers and very good to pick. But above all, you look, as you never have properly before, at particular hellebores. Not the Christmas roses, which are quite tricky, and I now see them on sale. God help us for £9.90 each. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, £3.20 would be about right. Um, go for the Lenten roses. This is my best tip. And if you can, find named hybrids, either the Ashwood varieties, or I like best of all, the Hervington, H-E-R-V-I-N-G-T-O-N hybrids. Now, these are almost indestructible plants, and they used to flower in March. That's amazing. Um, you know, we had a lot of listeners that had questions about what sorts of herbs or vegetables they could plant outside in the winter, like which vegetables uh -huh. could tolerate frost. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's a bit late, oh boy, then, or old lady, in your, your, your query. <laughs> uh, the one thing you can usefully do in Britain is actually to plant garlic. Uh, curiously, mm. garlic can be planted almost at uh, the third week in November. But otherwise, your cabbages, your Brussels sprouts, which I absolutely love, um, they should all be coming now right. into harvest. And you really wouldn't uh, get anywhere by trying to transplant or, or sow vegetables for winter into the ground now. That is a huge mistake. Of course, when you get to early March, that is a different story. But for the moment, right. either you grew those cabbages on in spring or you won't have any. Right, right, great. Um, one reader, Ida Tononen, uh, who was writing from Tokyo, asked, what plants would winter or overwinter well on the balcony in a pot? Ah. Are we talking in Japan? In Japan, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, it depends if there's very heavy snow. And really here, I am not speaking as a Japanese expert. Um, but... One wonderful choice in Japan is the hepatica family, H-E-P-A-T-I-C-A. -E there is a superb book that you should get by John Massey, My World of Hepaticas, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. And he's worked closely with Japanese growers. He describes everything, how you don't need any heating. You can have these plants on shaded balconies. And in the spring, you will suddenly get these marvelous blue pink white flowers they are miraculous that is one of the Beautiful. great books of the millennium wonderful i'll put all these um suggestions in the show notes as well for listeners what about for people who are in the cold like people who are in the northeast of america or in new york what advice would you give for example for a balcony in new york <laughs> i have a firm advice to everyone who wants a garden living in new york uh, mm. Move to Britain, or if you want to be in the <laughs> EU, move to the south of Ireland. Uh, my heart goes out to you, you poor gardeners trapped in a high rise. But you have one great resource, the New York Botanical Garden up in the Bronx. This is true. Fantastic mm. to see the indoor orchid show. But even the great gardeners there know they cannot really give you a wonderful show of outdoor winter flowers. The climate just is against it. So on your balcony, you are not going to get um, beautiful flowers 
for January, February, but you might have tried a few bulbs in pots. If you bought some paper white narcissi, mm. you have the option of moving them indoors, and they are really, really good value. Of course, you've missed the chance in September of putting your own bulbs in cheaply, but if you see pots of them being advertised online, get them. They're marvelous value. Good they're idea. scented, they're white, they stay in flower, they're so beautiful. Amazing. And if the weather turns horrible on the balcony, bring them indoors and they'll be fine there too. Perfect. Amazing. Okay, now, when it comes to indoor plants for the winter, I think maybe inexperienced uh, listeners and readers might think that the indoors doesn't change that much from summer to winter. But, of course, at least in New York, I know we, we have less light, the temperature changes, the heat goes on, it's often a much drier environment. Uh, do you have one big piece of advice for indoors in the winter, or are there a few things that we should really look out for? As a uh, I, uh, well, my first piece of advice is don't worry, you'll kill it. Um, the point <laughs> is treat them as extended florist flowers. And I think the great family to go for now are the Phalaenopsis orchids. They are the most resistant to changes of temperature and to you being away for four or five days over Christmas and not watering them. They are mm -hmm. fantastic value. And I think they have mm -hmm. some hope of surviving the New Yorker's habit until recently of being overheated. Right, right, right. Um, Olga Shemaine in Sweden has a question that is actually an extension of this one, which is, any good suggestions for indoor plants in dark regions that aren't orchids? I have loads of orchids, um, but some of my other plants are really suffering through the low light. So what I would say is, um, cyclamen are damn difficult, but beautiful. Azaleas tend to lose their leaves. They will last longer. Poinsettias are much easier to keep going. White jasmine doesn't flower long enough, but it's very difficult to kill. But my number one, even to the lady with all the orchids whom I really admire, be sure you've got plenty of phalaenopsis. That was what I would go for. Okay, brilliant. So one thing I'm noticing in your response is that uh, most of these are, are flowering plants. And Robin, I've been noticing that there's this huge you know, of course, boom in younger generations that are getting really into indoor planting. And yeah. they're growing fiddly figs, monsteras, pothos mm. plants. Um, they're calling themselves plant daddies. <laughs> they're you're using really apps. No. No. <laughs> I imagine you're happy to see young people interested in gardening, but I'm curious how you feel about the trends and what we're doing right and wrong. Yeah, well, this is all, of course, wonderful. Um, I sometimes feel that it's gardening for control freaks. Do they really love plants? <laughs> Maybe they do. But could I urge a close look at cacti? Now, I can't, I'm afraid, go into the details of cacti. Uh, it's too difficult just on a, a single phone-in. But uh, the cactus is a really, really pretty thing, and it's a very good plant and then really on all the others, you know, the uh, eucalyptus plants, the, uh, uh, the ficus and uh, all these other things, I have a very simple answer. Um, the FT will have to have a parallel gardening columnist. We need one of these <laughs> young people who loves growing what I call non-plants, really likes things that look artificial. And um, we could have one called um, Answering Back to Robin every Saturday where somebody who is brilliantly <laughs> expert described why, heaven help us, she likes sponging her plants' leaves. <laughs> <laughs> there must be more to do in life than that. Um, I, I, I'm not an expert on this style of gardening, uh, and I'm really delighted people are coming into it. But what I most hope is that it will fire them up 
to get further into uh, gardening more intimately related with uh, the surrounding nature that we all visit. Mm, so when you say that, what do you mean? Where do you want us to go from the non-plant? Well, this is what I think. You know, I mean, you're all going to complain. I hate skiing. I cannot think whoever took to skiing, but I respect <laughs> anyone who loves it. And I feel that your skiing over usually sways of the most beautiful early summer flowering plants. Uh, so go back to your ski resorts and climb in the Dolomites or the other, wherever you like, the Pyrenees, um, or wherever you want, Adirondacks would be good. And you will see the most wonderful swathes still of wildflowers at higher altitudes. And that mm. is a life-changing experience. It will change possibly the way you think about gardens, and it will get you off just sponging the leaves of an Aspidistra. Right. So you're hoping that that will sort of um, inspire people to go from just growing leaves into into growing flowers? Uh, well, I mean, I have to say, I'm not hoping. I, I know it will. All these uh, leaf sponges are, are wonderful people. And they're longing, really, to take <laughs> leap uh, into something that's more, in, more beautiful and more rewarding. Uh, and I'm sure they will. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I love that. I, I hope that's true. Um, you are also giving me courage to mm. uh, plant more flowers indoors. Something I'd like to emphasize, you are at the moment in Britain living in the golden age of winter gardening. It is mm. crazy to plant the surroundings of your house with nothing for these wonderful three months that unfortunately climate change is giving us in our tiny little patch. Everywhere else, climate change is a disaster. Right. But in British, Irish, North French gardens, it's wondrous. I love it. Robin, you know, I've been thinking about uh, your career and how interesting it is. You are not just uh, one of the UK's foremost gardening experts. Uh, you're also by day an academic. You're an expert in Alexander the Great. You wrote a book called The Invention of Medicine. I'm curious about, you know, you know so much about history. For centuries, we have kept beautiful plants. <laughs> and I'm kind of curious why we do it. Ah, yeah, well, of course. Um, there are two things. You left out my current best-selling book, uh, Homer and his Iliad. And in fact, in Homer, there are imaginary gardens of the mind, the great gardens of King Alcinous. Not even in the next life will I visit them, but they are quite brilliantly described. And my point is, here we are in the 8th century BC with the greatest poet in the world imagining this wonderful garden all beautifully laid out, and it haunted subsequent imagination because that's the point. You right. can plant and garden just practically, and I really respect that. But if you also look at it through the eyes conditioned by what other people have seen in flowers, gardens, and so on, you see whole layers of association. The more educated you are, the better you are at two things, garden plants and falling in love. <laughs> and that should be made absolutely clear. Um, the more you've read, the more interesting you are. So my two professions don't pull against each other. And of course, plant names are in Latin, um, but they've developed very early in my life. Um, really, I'd say both of them from the age of nine or 10. Uh, you read endlessly in the FT counseling on how to change your job and how to retire and how to fiddle about. Well, I've done exactly the opposite. I've done exactly the same thing in very different <laughs> ways for the past 60 years. And I'm damned if I'm going to change. I love and it. My God, I've had a life. So my advice is find what you can do and just do it. Um, and if you can't, make money. 
You may well yeah. make money by doing what you're good at. Love it. You said before we got on that this is your 53rd year writing the column, but you're just halfway through. Is that right? Absolutely right. Yeah. I, maybe I'm going to have a midlife crisis next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, then we hope to have you on much more often. Robin, thank you so much. This was an absolute delight. Okay. Well, thank you. And just please, everybody, winter garden, winter garden. And if you can't under a snow blanket in America, just switch on and think of those of us who can. (laughs) Thanks again, Robin. This is wonderful. Thanks so much. That's the show. Thank you for listening to Life and Art from FT Weekend. I really recommend you take a read through the show notes. I have links to every plant and garden that Robin mentioned. I also have discounts for a subscription to the Financial Times. And we have ways to stay in touch with me and with the show, whether that is by email, on X, on Instagram, etc. I'm Lila Raptopoulos, and here is my talented team. Katya Kumkova is our senior producer. Lulu Smith is our producer. Our sound engineers are Breen Turner and Sam Javinko with original music by Metaphor Music. Topher Forges is our executive producer. Cheryl Brumley is the global head of audio. Have a lovely week, and we'll find each other again on Friday. <laughs>